Welcome to the PGA of Alberta podcast series. My name is Bryce Halverson, and I'll be your host today. On today's episode, we introduce you to an inspiring and passionate leader within our industry, a multiple award winner at both the provincial and national level, and currently the executive professional at Kananaskis Country Golf Course, Bob Paley. During today's show, Bob and I discuss the importance of authenticity within an organization and how to create a culture that embodies a belief in the big picture. Bob discusses his leadership strategies and how he is able to create teams at his club that share his beliefs and values as a leader. He also shares stories surrounding his career path, his love for pickles, and gives advice to up-and-coming professionals in our association. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. On today's show, we have a special guest who is known for being a charismatic leader, a creator of cohesive culture, and his remarkable head of hair. It's my pleasure to introduce the executive professional at Kananaskis Country Golf Course, Mr. Bob Paley. Bob, how are you doing today? I'm just trying to take that whole thing in. Two things that, uh, uh, listen, I can't be more proud of. First of all, the head of hair thing. Um, COVID's done lots of great things. I've been rocking this this particular haircut of mine for years. I've individually kept Sport Gel Dippity Doo Number Nine in business. I've been using it, honest to God, since 1982, and it's it's a secret to my success. So anybody listening, uh, write that down for sure. The other thing is that whole executive professional thing. That's uh, that's a that's a a brand new thing for me, and uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure how that feels on. It's weird, but uh, thank you. I'm honored to be here. I'm excited to spend some time with you, buddy. And uh, yeah, let's do this. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, and like I said, it's when we decided we were going to do a podcast for our education committee, you were one of the first names that came to my mind. Um, for myself as a, as a younger professional in this association, um, I certainly look up to you and I know that a lot of others do as well. So um, for those listeners, you know, maybe those Oilers fans up a little bit further north, um, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and, and maybe, you know, where you got your start in this industry. If you look at a manual of to how to become a golf professional, I did everything the opposite. I uh, um, basically was going to be a phys ed teacher when I got out of uh, high school. I went to university. I went to the University of Calgary and did a phys ed degree. And then I was in education for probably about six weeks. And uh, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this or not, but I went, I was coaching volleyball at the U of C. And one of the coaches I was with was a teacher. And I went on a, a snowshoeing trip with him, with one of his classes. And of the 20 kids in that class, I, I had an overwhelming desire to kill about 15 of them. So I thought, eh, maybe this isn't the best career path for me. So, um, so I decided to, uh, my dad's a psychologist and I've always been intrigued by why people do the things that they do and what their motivation is and all that. So I went to the university of Alberta. I did a master's degree in sports psychology, still not knowing what the hell I was going to do with my life. 
and uh, and I stopped playing volleyball and I found the game of golf and I just became obsessed with it. And it's just uh, to this day, it's a passion. And and uh, and I started because I love the game of golf. And now, you know, I don't play nearly as much as I did back then. But man, I just love everything about this game. So um, while I was doing my master's program, I worked. Kerry uh, Ketter was nice enough to hire me at the Derrick Golf and Winter Club uh, up in, uh, in Edmonton. I worked there for five years and then I found the love of my life who is still the love of my life um, and uh, moved down to get married in 1996 and Dean Walker was nice enough to hire me at Cottonwood. 1997 I moved with Dean to Redwood Meadows and then uh, 1998 I moved out on my own to Kananaskis and I have been there ever since and um, man what a blessing I just uh look back at my life and I don't know how the hell I've gotten to be as old as I've gotten, but, uh, man, I just wouldn't trade anything that I've done and, and, uh, learned so much from so many people. And, uh, yeah, I just feel blessed. That certainly is, uh, is quite the journey, Bob. And, you know, I think a lot of us don't necessarily ever have the intention of being a golf professional when we first get into it, you know, uh, some of us, whether it's, whether it's, you know, people that play golf for their, for their living and then end up doing this or, or otherwise, um, was there any, or was there ever any time in your journey there where you maybe, um, considered doing something else or thought maybe that you, you would take a different route than what you did? Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I was Redwood Meadows. 1997 so I'd, I just got my card I was three years into it just married and um, and uh, I was driving home from Redwood Meadows it was about one in the morning we were working really long hours there was a bunch of reasons for that none that we need to get into and and I hit a horse with my vehicle um, and so completely destroyed my vehicle I was lucky to be alive and uh and then I found out two weeks later that we were pregnant with our first son and I was working these crazy hours and my wife rightly so said like this isn't what I signed up for and so um you know I just I started thinking like this just maybe this isn't for me and I felt like I was home I felt like everything was right about it but just the amount of time I, I didn't have a whole bunch of balance in my life and and so at the end of that season the 1997 season uh, Tracy and I went down to Phoenix to be with her parents and it just so happens that they had a condo at the exact same complex as Wayne Bygrave who was a dear friend of theirs and I uh, remember it like it was yesterday. Wayne was uncomfortably wearing fairly small Speedos. And um, I'll, I'll never forget that until the day I die. Um, and uh, we talked about uh, becoming a Kananaskis guy and if it'd be something that, uh, that I would be interested in. And Tracy and her family, she grew up there. So it was a kind of a homecoming for her. And man, it just, uh, it's actually where we got engaged too. So there's all these things bringing us back to Kananaskis and and, uh, and that's what we did. So yes, I did have some doubt in there uh, for sure as to what the hell I was doing and if I was in the right position. And I think really we probably all do at some point in time. And, and if you don't, you don't, but uh, full honesty, uh, yes, I did. Certainly that's, a, that's quite the story. And I mean, 
I think we've all been there, you know, after uh, an extremely long day and you're just like, holy smokes, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but, you know, story short, I think that it's all worked out in the end and, and you seem like you've, uh, you know, you've taken that opportunity at Canada Ask Us and really, um, really run with it and made it your own. So um, whenever I've actually been in front of golf at the K, um, you know, I've always felt that there's such an incredible atmosphere out there at Canada Ask Us, you know, in normal circumstances, having your, your vehicle taken by, by valet and uh, having everyone so down to earth and friendly. Um, I found that, you know, your club always uh, has been able to find a perfect balance between feeling first class, but still, you know, a casual culture. Can you tell us a little bit about how you were able to create the culture at Kananaskis? Yeah, listen, thank you for all that. I appreciate that. That means a lot to not only myself, but to, to our team. We, we spend a whole bunch of time, energy, and effort, first of all, trying to figure out who the hell we are. And I think that that's something that is super, super important to any facility, any business, really, whether it's golf or, or something not golf-oriented, is, is who and what you, are you all about? What are you trying to create? And then every single decision that you make based, uh, based after that is has to be based off of what that, what that vision is. And we've stuck to that um, through some very trying times for sure. Um, but when you have a really clear understanding of who you are and what you're all about and, and why you're in business, um, it's easy to stand on your soapbox. And that's what we do. We've got very unusual job postings, postings that we think are kind of fun and, and represent, again, who we are. Um, and we believe that when you throw something out to the universe, you know, you get back what you throw out. And it's not a a new concept that's that whole Rhonda Byrne and Oprah's books, uh, the, that book called The Secret, and believe wholeheartedly in that, man. I really, really do. And and so when you throw out to the world what it is you're looking for, you attract like-minded people. And, and does it happen with every single person? No, absolutely not. But for the majority of the team members we bring in, we truly believe that they are family because they are family and, and you do, and you know what a golf season's like. It's, I mean, is it rocket science? No, probably it isn't, but, but the ability for somebody to, you know, to, to treat somebody with the kind of respect that they deserve, you know, we look at it that way that, you know, our guests can go anywhere in the, in the world and do anything, whether it's golf or go to a movie or a hockey game or whatever. And, and so we really try and work hard to, to ensure that our team has that perspective and, and gratitude. And that's really something that's huge with us is, is finding as many ways as we can, as, that we can to say thank you to, uh, to our guests. And also for us as a management team, saying thank you to our team because, man, we can't, we can't do the things that we do with, without them. You know, we're in the middle of an absolutely beautiful place. It's one of the most special places in the world if you've, if you've never been out here to see. But the people, our guests, the things that they talk about the most is our team and the way that our team makes them feel. And, and you, you can't get that. You can't teach those sorts of things, I don't think, Bryce. So we work really hard to bring those people that just have that really high, I'm going to say it, give a shit factor. And, um, and that's super important to um, recognizing we need givers and not takers. And so our interview process helps us figure out those kinds of people. And then from there on, we, we can teach you everything you need to know about what, 
whether you're in agronomy or front of the house, back of the house, um, golf shop, outside services, those are things that we could, we believe we can teach because we've got great managers. You can't, you can't teach that desire to, to love what you're doing and, and really care about people and want to give people a cool experience. So um, it's going to be the easiest thing in the world for you because you're going to ask me a question. And I'm going to ramble for 35 minutes about things that you never thought I'd, I'd get to. So you mentioned like-minded people and, and creating a family atmosphere within your team at Kananaskis. What are some of the values that you really, that are non-negotiable that you must instill in every employee that, that is successful there at the club? Well, we don't really instill anything in anyone because again, as I said, if we've done our job, we've brought the right people in that, that, um, uh, I think maybe the best way I can put it is one of the one of the education seminars that we went to that you maybe had a hand in planning. Mr. Brian Burke was one of the speakers and he reinforced something that we've always believed in, but never really had the way of never had that cute or catchy phrase to 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 capture what the meaning of it is. And that's, you know, anybody who believes or says that's not my job is somebody who really doesn't belong on our team because we believe no matter what role you're cast in. I mean, if you can help out on agronomy. So for example, we had a late start this year and um, we didn't get started till June 1st in part because of COVID, but mostly because we had a ton of snow down. We had people from all departments going out and helping to get the course ready. And you can't do that with people that are like, well, I didn't sign up for this and I don't want to do that. And they're all like, this is going to help the team. They're going to help the family. And, and they bought into that mentality of, of um, being a part of something bigger than themselves. And I think at the end of the day, any successful business that's able to identify what that just cause is, um, is, is, a, is a business that is, uh, is going to be successful. And so those are the things that we really look for. Just, again, people who are like-minded to us, they like to think outside the box um, you know, they're, they're comfortable around people. Um, you know, they're fun. They're, uh, they're willing to look at different ways of doing things and, and, uh, and just appreciate people and being outdoors. And, and so that's, that's typically who we bring on board. Perfect. Thanks so much for that detailed answer. Um, with your Kananaskis brand, and, and you mentioned, you know, taking that tidbit away from Brian Burke at the education seminar, how often do you, would you say that you review it? Like, are you looking at your, your, I guess your organization as a whole annually, or, you know, is it sometimes monthly? How much involvement does your team have in, in kind of determining new processes or procedures for your brand and, and what it entails? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're always evaluating our business for sure. One of the things that maybe we'll get to a little, little later on here is when we had the flood. So we were closed June 20th of 2013. We had the flood and um, we reopened in 2018. So during the time when we were restoring the courses and working hard to bring the courses back, it gave me and our team a great opportunity to do a ton of reading and look at a, a variety of things that we wanted to sort of focus on and and, um, you know, and one of those things was just trying to figure out why we were in business. Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, changed my life. And it was a really cool perspective that it brought. So when we figured out um, our mantra, which is make the time, um, it's the, it, 
it's the, it's the hardest thing Bryce I've ever had to do professionally because you really are trying to boil down the essence of what you are all about in business in, in six or seven words or less, you know, the just do it's of the world from Nike or think differently from Apple, the things that are not only, um, not only represent who you are at the very core of who you are, but it's also a call to action. And so that was a super challenging thing to do. And, and so while we do review how we carry that out, who we are and why we're in business stays the same. Uh, at least it has for us. And we certainly look at it all the time. Um, Simon Sinek's got a brand new book called The Infinite Game. And that's also got me thinking I dropped the word just cause or the phrase just cause earlier. And that's, that's in addition to your why statement. So we're thinking along those lines too, as to, you know, what, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? It's not just getting people out to play golf because there's thousands and thousands of those kinds of places and they're all great in their own right, but how are we going to stand out and how do we attract people to, to do these kinds of things? And, and so for us, um, we do evaluate and look at that uh, on an annual basis, on a monthly basis to see, you know, when the rules change, like with COVID, how do you still create that really welcoming environment where you don't have somebody, you know, that can take your car, as you said, I think if you took somebody's car now, um, I don't know, what does that get you like six months? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I don't think it's a positive. So, um, so we, you know, we really think it's, uh, it's important to, you know, certainly reevaluate that's the really cool part about knowing who you are is that whatever the new set of rules are that come in like COVID, we just go, okay, how do we apply this to make the time? And how do we apply this to thinking outside the box and doing things differently? And so as a result, you know, we found some different ways to connect with our guests that we couldn't have done, you know, before. And it's just, it's not a matter of just putting your hands up and saying, oh, there's nothing we can do. It's a matter of, okay, Here's again, who we are and why we're in business. Now, how can we figure out the best way of, of, of applying that to this new set of rules? Mm -hmm. well, I definitely agree. And I think a lot of clubs, you know, can take something away from what you just said about trying to have that same mentality and same, you know, teamwork and just adjusting depending on the situation, whether it's, you know, a rainy June or whether it's a COVID related June. So, um, Right. You talk to me personally a little bit, you know, we chat, we like to chat every, you know, every now and again about, um, we've talked about authenticity within an organization. So could you touch on this a little bit and just tell me what that means to you and maybe why it's important? Sit back and just, I just, I'm so, uh, so passionate about this. I, uh, Authenticity to me, again, first and foremost is, so basically what it is, is it's, it's your actions follow through on what you say you're going to be all about. So, um, you know, you've been to some of those places that, you know, maybe it's, uh, you go to buy, I'll take the typical stereotype, you know, we're a no pressure environment as it relates to uh, uh, buying a vehicle, for example. And, uh, and then you get in there and you're just absolutely hounded and upsold and, uh, actually, I have another example that I think about. I was on a cruise, uh, lucky enough to go uh, a while back, and we one of the stops we had was in Jamaica, and uh, and I remember everybody. We get off, we get onto the island, and it was like, "Yeah, take it easy, Bon." Terrible accent. I understand that's a terrible accent, but you know, just that whole "take it easy." But 
we get off the island and they were like on us about buy this, come over here, get this, get that. And it was so the opposite of what they said they were. It was a complete turnoff. And you hear that phrase of under promise and over deliver, man, this was a total opposite. And so as it relates to authenticity, I think if, if you, again, as a business or even as a human being, so Bryce, for yourself, something I would recommend for you or any of, any of our listeners, who are you all about and what are you all about? And make sure that every single thing you do in your life is true to that and real to that. So, for example, you know, like for me, um, I like to think that, you know, that I'm uh, like, I like to think outside the box. Um Doing the right thing is something super important to me. Uh, again, making the time is something I've adopted for myself. Um, and, and gratitude and silver linings to whatever happens in our world, trying to see the good that's in that. And so if those are the things I stand by, I can't very well, you know, when the flood comes on, go, this is the worst thing to happen. My life is cursed. And I, I need to follow through on, on the things that I believe in. And from a business standpoint, what all of us need to do as leaders in the golf business is, again, figure out who the hell we are. So there's a lot of good reasons for doing it personally and professionally. And then making sure that every single thing you do, the menu items you pick, the type of merchandise you bring into the shop, the programs that you run, the tee time intervals you have, the way you maintain your courses, the number of tee blocks that you have, everything, every single thing you do needs to resonate with what you're all about. And, and that is authenticity. And if you can get that man, and if you have that, then you have so much in order to be successful. And I think you've got so much in terms of a leg up on a number of different businesses. And I also want to say this, I think golf and the golf business is probably one of the best at doing that already. And I think that's part of the reason why people like to be around because people are air quotes. You can't see me, but air quotes real. We're real in golf, and I think that's one of the things that people really truly appreciate is um, is that approach, and and it's just natural. It should be welcoming. It should be just a place you want to be. It's like the cheers uh, of golf, right, or cheers of business, where you again everybody knows your name, and it's just a blast to be around. You can't wait to be there. When you're not there, you wish you were there. When you were there, you wish you could stay longer and. And that's to me what we're all about. And I think that's what the golf business is all about. So um, that sadly is my reader's digest version of uh, what authenticity is. If you'd like a more in-depth, uh, give me a call 591-7070 extension 321. I'll talk your ear off. No, I really appreciate that. Um, because I think authenticity means certain different things to different people, but uh, you definitely hit the nail on the head there just chatting about whatever your business advertises or whatever people think about the, you know, their first thoughts when they think about your business, that should be the forefront of everything you do. And it should, it should bleed into everything else that you, that, you know, your thoughts and your processes and stuff. So uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I know you've already talked a lot about authenticity now, um, but my next question might be a little bit redundant. I'm just going to talk a little bit about um, what qualities do you see in successful leaders, whether it's in our golf industry or whether it's outside of the industry? Um, have you noticed some common threads among the, the leaders that have been the most successful? Uh, 
Yeah, I'm sure. I, yes, of course there is. You betcha. And, you know, I think that there's, you know, before I go through all the things that I think are common, one of the things I'll say, Bryce, is that I think there's so many different ways to lead. And I don't think that there's any one right or wrong way. So I think for anybody who's listening or any young professional who's out there, um, you know, to think I've got to be this kind of a leader and it's completely uncomfortable to you, um, that's not going to work. Again, from an authenticity standpoint, people are going to be able to see through that in a second. You've got to ooze the things that you believe in. And so, again, there's a lot of self-awareness to a lot of the things I think that make uh, people and businesses successful. And I think this is one of those things. So, um, but I think, you know, things that a good leader does, uh, in my opinion, anyways, and, and take it for what it's worth, um, is leading by example, that whole word. And here's one of my most favorite words, heterarchy. I don't even know where I found it. I can't even find it. Um, but basically what it means, instead of hierarchy, where, you know, the head pros above the associate pros, above the assistant pros, above the like that stuff drives me crazy where it's like, oh, I got to act in such and such a way because, you know, this guy's ahead of me or forget that. Like we're a part of a family. We're a part of a team. And what hierarchy means is that we work shoulder to shoulder doing whatever it needs to be done. And again, from an authenticity standpoint, we talked about Mr. Burke's statement of that's not my job. That doesn't exist in a, in a hierarchy because we're all in it to do what we got to do. Now, having said that in a hierarchy, Obviously, every once in a while, you got to step up and you've got to, as a leader, you've got to rein somebody in maybe that isn't pulling their weight or isn't part of the team. And, and so it's not like it's a, you know, a communistic society where everybody's equal. That'd be wonderful if everybody was, uh, you know, was, was pulling the line. But sometimes you do have to, you know, step up out and pull somebody aside and, and do what you've got to do. Of course, that's, that's, you know, the nature of business. So, um, yeah, I think from the standpoint of, you know, of leadership, I think certainly for anybody that's, you know, young, I would say, try to identify what kind of a leader you believe yourself to be. Um, are you an inspirational leader? Are you lead by example? Are you a quiet leader or what, what is your personality and how does that work? <clears throat> Ask a ton of questions of people who you admire, who you look up to, who maybe are similar to, to you in terms of how you think you are or would like to be as a leader. Um, be open-minded to the answers um, and, and simply just love what you do and don't be scared to apply the things that you've learned. So rather than repeating mistakes or, or just being the same thing over and over again, man, this, this life of ours is an evolution and, and embrace that, embrace change and, uh, and I think the great leaders of the world are the ones that do that. And they aren't, this is my system. This is how it works. And all of a sudden, you're the CEO of Blockbuster and they don't sell DVDs anymore. You know, that's where you get to. The world passes you by. So keep evolving, figure out who the hell you are and ask a ton of questions. One of the greatest gifts that we have in this association, I got, I love this association so much it's because we're willing to share. It's because I can call up most anybody. Anybody can call me. And we're, we're yes, we're in competition with one another, but we're, we're a family as the business of golf. And if we can help make each other better and the things that you guys are doing, this podcast is a fantastic example and idea of that, um, where we're all just here to share that information and, and man, take as many of these opportunities 
as you can as you're developing your leadership style and uh, and just go get it and be comfortable in it. Don't don't be so worried about oh, I wonder if this person's going to like it or that. If you're comfortable with it and it's working for you, stick to it and, and keep evolving. That's perfect. Thanks so much, Bob. Um, last question here for you, and then we're going to kind of shift gears to something a little bit more fun. But um, you've been a mentor to. Well, hold on. This hasn't been fun for you. <laughs> it's been a blast. It's been enjoyable, but I mean, we get, I know, I know, you, I know you talk about leadership and authenticity and culture for all day. It's something I'm passionate about as well, but uh, we're going to get into uh, something a little bit different for, for the end here. So um, you've been a mentor to, to so many professionals over the years. Um, you always joke about being, you know, one of the older guys, but, but truly you are someone that I think a lot of people do look up to and, and see as a mentor. Um, but you mentioned your journey and I was just wondering if what's, you know, one piece of advice that's maybe stuck with you along the way um, that you might have gotten from one of your mentors or fellow professionals as you're kind of carving your path and, and getting to where you are now. Hmm. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think one of the things I've taken something from everybody, you know, so many things from so many people um, that I've had the good fortune of working with and and, um, you know, I remember working with Kerry Ketter and at the time uh, in Edmonton, you know, what, it, what, what you were supposed to do is you're working 12 out of 14 days um, and you had long days and, and with KK, you work 10 out of 14 days and he really wanted to make sure that the things that um, you were a little more in control of your time and I always admired him for that. And he created such a wonderful family atmosphere. His wife, Shirley, worked with uh, with us and was sort of the uh, ladies buyer and did the books behind the scenes. And their son, Warren, was there. So it was a really cool sense of family about things. So I, I know how I felt and how they made me feel. Um, when I was trying to figure out other careers, you know, like I was talking about wanting to be a teacher and maybe being in the volleyball uh, business. And, and uh, I never felt like I belonged as much as I did when I was a part of the golf industry. So, um, so I took that from KK and moved to Cottonwood. It was same sorts of things like the membership that was there and, um, you know, working with Dean and, and Tiffany Gordon and, you know, getting involved in the association, they kept talking about how important that was. And, and, uh, you know, so those were some of the things that I took from them and, and uh, creating fun events and just that engagement, you know, with, um, uh, with their members and, and how it just felt like as soon as somebody walked through the door, you know, you'd yell somebody's name and, hey, how's it? And it just, it, it made it just feel so cool because every, literally everybody knew who everybody was. And, and, um, and so I thought that that was really special. And, and, you know, Greg Schubert's another guy who I've learned a, a ton from and remember sitting and, <clears throat> and watching golf with him and we'd finish golf. I'd be like, well, that was, you know, pretty cool. Tiger was four under. He's like, yeah, he's, he's got that, that, uh, you know, there's no foot joy shoes. And he walked me through all these things that I like, I realized I was I wasn't even watching the game at at, a, at anywhere close of, a, of a, the same level as he did, and and I realized it was the same thing with the business. And there was so much so much of my understanding was superficial, and and he really opened my eyes to really digging deep to all the different things that in, can impact our business. And 
Um, so I've had like so many mentors in my life and I just feel so blessed to, um, you know, to, to, to be a part of that. And when I was, you know, graced with, um, with some of the national awards that, that I was able to win, it gave me an opportunity to, to reach out to every one of them and, and thank them and say like, this is your award because I'm just a representative of everybody that I've been around. I just to sponge up, you know, what they've done and pick those things that I, I appreciated and, and made sense and resonated with me and was authentic to who I believed I was. And, and, um, and I just encourage everybody else to do, you know, really to do the same thing. And, and again, show that gratitude to your, to the people who have helped you get to where you're at, because it feels great for you to do it. And I promise you, it feels great on the other end for that person to hear how much they've meant to somebody's life. Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more. I've, uh, I've obviously been mainly on the mentee side of things um, so far in my, in my time with the industry, but it's something that um, has definitely been mutually beneficial, I think, on both sides, because, um, you know, as a mentee, we can hopefully give you our side of things or maybe help you with something that uh, us, the younger generation might be a little totally. bit more uh, inclined to, to know or to do. And uh, it, I like the fact that you mentioned it's a two-way street. Um, so, we're going to switch gears a little bit here. Uh, we're going to talk about something that might still be a, a sore spot for you both physically and uh, mentally. Um, and that's your, your butter knife incident that you had <laughs> last year. So, uh, can you touch on that and just uh, what happened? I love dill pickles. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And I'm not, what do they call oh, Bix? I'm not talking about anything you can buy in a store. My wife makes the best dill pickles in the world they're homemade every september they go to the farmer's market and you know come like late october first part of november the season's done and it's time to eat dill pickles so i'm excited about them so we're at home and as can happen every once in a while with those bernardin lids everybody knows what i'm talking about sometimes those little those little guys get a little tough to open I tried everything. I mean, I tried everything to get that thing open. I had the Rubbermaid thing to pop it. I tapped the top of the lid. Everything didn't work. So I did, Bryce, I did what I've done a thousand times. I took a butter knife. I'm going to say that one more time for your listeners. I took a butter knife, a benign knife that nobody has ever thought could be a threat to anybody's existence. And I stuck it underneath the lid of the Bernard and Dale pickle jar and I pried it as I've done rotated it, pried it, rotated it, pried it, and that butter knife slid and it severed the tendon and it severed the nerves in my left thumb. So that was November tw- uh, November 25th, 2019. Not that it was a traumatic time in my life. I remember the exact time that it happened. Uh, a week later, I w- was getting on and did get on a plane to Australia. We were blessed to go on a trip. So it was a nice little parting gift for me. I had uh, surgery. They were concerned about me going over um, and not having rehab right away. And anyways, I got through rehab. My uh, physiotherapist was right with me. Um, I, I got to play one-handed golf in Australia. Went to President's Cup, surfing, all those kinds of things. I learned how to be sort of one-handed. And um, I got back. Uh, and January 25th, two exactly two months later, and she gave me pink Play-Doh. 
Can you imagine that? Pink Play-Doh, the most <laughs> safe, warm, touching color you could possibly think of. And I was manipulating said Play-Doh with that left hand. And I heard and felt a pop. I looked at my physiotherapist. She heard the pop. I ruptured my thumb again, severed the uh, tendon, had another surgery. And that second surgery uh, did not work. So after like five or six months of having surgeries and stuff, uh, I have a thumb that looks um, disgusting and it doesn't work, but it's good enough. I can still work out. I can still play golf. I can't hit it as far. And I, I think that's the reason why you're able to get me. I don't know. Was it once when we played together, you hit it a little further than me? Maybe. I don't know. But uh, I did have to, and I know you're going to say it, so I'm going to beat you to the punch. I had to use a Ladies Flex driver for the entire year. And most of the season, Ladies Flex graphite shafts uh, felt fantastic doing it. I graduated mostly because I knew I was playing with you. I, uh, I, I brought a set of regular Flex steel shafts uh, rental set. I didn't get any clubs last year because I didn't know if I'd be able to play. Um, and, uh, was able to scrape around. I didn't play very good when I played with you guys, but man, I had a good time. And anyway, that's my thumb story. So the, for the listeners, uh, Bob actually does, we are going to make him a plaque, but he does hold the lowest men's night, uh, round of golf at Valley Ridge, uh, using a ladies driver. So, uh, that'll be sent <laughs> to Kananaskis here pretty shortly. And we look forward to him uh, putting that in his office. One question that I think all of our viewers here are probably, uh, or listeners, sorry, are probably asking themselves is, Bob, why didn't you just get Tracy to open the jar for you? I got to tell you, there have been, including my mother, there I could put a book together of how to open a dill pickle jar because as soon as I explain to anybody, they're like, well, that's stupid. Why didn't you just, and then they would tell me what they do. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. That's awesome. Um, so I'll add yours to the list. Thanks. Yeah. She no was problem. the one I was being chivalrous, of course, Bryce being chivalrous. To, she couldn't get it open. And, uh, her parents just got back from Australia. We had picked them up and they were coming over for dinner and it looked like somebody got murdered in our kitchen because I had hit like a, an artery. And so that's what they had to do when they got home was clean the mess up while I remember. So anyways, thanks for the advice. I appreciate that. I'll put it with my, the other ones. My pleasure. Uh, my last but not least, um, you obviously work at a resort course in Kananaskis and I'm sure you see all types of walks of life and, and different people. And, and that's obviously part of the beauty of, of being there is you get to meet a bunch of people. But um, a question I had for you is what is the, the strangest thing that you've found in your lost and found at, at uh, Kananaskis there? <laughs> well, first, First of all, you, I don't know that you can appreciate the sheer volume of things that we have. Like, it's unbelievable the things that people will leave behind. Um, and I swear to God, this is true. I am not making this up. You can reach out to Bill Drager. You can reach out to Tom Day. I think they were all part of that. Justin Brown might have been there. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people. We had a prosthetic leg left in our lost and found. Uh, and there was also a, an oxygen tank. So we, we have a theory that somewhere out there uh, is a gentleman who had an untimely passing. 
um, couldn't breathe very well and couldn't get around because he only had a, a leg. So uh, it's unbelievable to me to think that somebody could have forgotten that. Then I started thinking maybe they had a golf leg. Like my father had, it was an amputee and he had different legs for different things. So maybe, maybe it wasn't that. And, and <clears throat> I'm not a hundred percent sure why the gentleman didn't come back other than the fact that you want to be the guy that comes back saying, Hey, do you have a prosthetic leg in your lost and found? I'm guessing maybe, maybe you just let it go and, and spend the five or 600 bucks and, and get another one and save yourself the embarrassment. Definitely. And uh, would this have been like a, a knee down sort of experience or did we get the full, like all the way up to hip height kind of just to paint our viewers a bit of a picture? Yeah, knee down. It was knee down and uh, very metallic. So not, uh, you know, nothing that mimicked, uh, you know, sometimes it looks like sort of a, you know, beautifully shaped calf or something like that. Uh, this was not, this was full on Steve Majors, $6 million man metal. That's it. Perfect. Thanks so much for that visual. We appreciate it. Um, all right. We're going to uh, finish things off here with just a quick rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Um, I know that you're a very thorough interviewee in terms of your answers, but we're going to try and just keep this quick and short and sweet. And, and I want the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. You're stopped at the turn at Kananaskis. What is your go-to snack? Easy. Hot beef sandwich and a jar of gummies. Uh, your go-to post-round beverage. I'm going to say this. I'm not a beer guy. I'm comfortable in my skin saying that now. Become a cocktail guy. So I'm kind of like a Moscow mule whiskey sour type fella. Perfect. Uh, first club out of your bag on the driving range. Uh, 54 degree sandwich. You could have your dream foursome, dead or alive. Who would it consist of and why? I think you know me well enough to know that I'm not going to make this easy. So here it goes. Thinking right off the top of my head, I'm a family guy. I never met my grandfather. So on my dad's side, so I'm going to pick my grandfather, Ken, uh, my dad, both of whom are passed away, and my two boys. So I'm either caddying or you're going to let me have a fivesome. Answer number one. Answer number two. If it's not a family guy and a celebrity type thing, I go Bill Clinton, Michael Jordan, and Barack Obama. Man, can you imagine that? That would be a foursome to behold. I think that'd be fantastic. That would be a good skins game for sure. I like that. Um, we know Kananaskis is famous for their promotional videos. What is the key to making a good promotional video? Uh, <laughs> um, I would say having fun with it, being different. Um, something that is going to make people want to kind of watch it. Uh, yeah, those would be the things. And then I think also a kick-ass hairstyle that worked for us during, for our COVID videos. I had a crazy, like I hadn't cut my hair in months and, uh, actually before Australia. And, uh, so we just had a little bit of fun with that and that any autographs, but there was a lot of people going, Hey, you're the guy in the video. So that might be it. Love it. What is one thing that people don't know about Kananaskis Golf Course? Oh, man, lots of things. But I'll say the first thing that comes to mind is that it was originally intended to be an 18-hole golf course. And then as they were going, they're like, we got more land and we're a little bit under budget. So they said, well, we'll be a 27-hole course. And then uh, eventually they became 36 holes. So 
with all that happening, Robert Trent Jones Sr. is our designer, but he was really only out for about 16 hours from what we've been told. Um, so each of the greens, there's about three or four different designers that, uh, that designed the greens, which made them seem and feel a little bit different. So um, that was one of the beauties of the restoration was we got to have Gary, who's a, a greens master, um, make them consistent and have a consistent look and feel to them. So, man, that was not rapid. That was not a fire. That was a thorough answer to a great question. Is it true that you have a grizzly bear in your pro shop that you sell every year? Life size. Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, the grizzly is uh, Maggie, Maggie one, Maggie two, Maggie three. Uh, we get it from a wonderful course a company called Stuffed Animal House. And um, yes, we do. Uh, we do get them. Uh, it's just kind of a, one of our things. Uh, last but not least, we're just going to finish off. What advice would you offer up to you know up and coming professionals in our industry looking to follow in your footsteps? Ooh. I I would say this isn't rapid fire. Come on, man. That's, I, that's, here's what I'll say. Um, don't follow in anybody's footsteps. You're your own person. Um, certainly there are going to be people, as I said earlier, who are like-minded to you, find out who they are, latch onto them, ask them questions. Um, you know, yeah, I think that's probably the most be open-minded to it. Don't be scared. Everybody loves to share information. And, and especially when a young person comes up and asks, you know, what are you all about or what kinds of things are you successful with or what have you found works? Like ask those questions so you don't have to make the same mistakes that we've made or that, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, so I think that that's super important. And, and again, just figuring out who you are, believing in who you are and just every single thing that you do in your life, just make sure it resonates with, uh, with, with what you believe you are to be about. Well, Bob, thanks so much. Uh, we, we really can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down and chat with us today. Um, to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the time to listen. Um, and to anyone looking to play some great golf in 2021, uh, be sure to take the time and play the K at Kananaskis Golf and Country Course. You certainly will not be disappointed. Thanks again, Bob, and look forward to chatting soon. I'd like to take this time to thank Bob Paley for being a part of our PG of Alberta podcast series. And also thank you to all of our listeners out there for supporting the show. Stay tuned for further episodes of our podcasts as we look to interview more leaders in our industry with more exciting and informative content. Thank you very much for listening. Take care and stay safe.